Hello and welcome to the 9320 Pod Friday show, uh, the weekly show where we look backwards, sideways, forwards, basically looking at whatever we want to in the week's football and of course looking ahead this week with rather a big match on the horizon. I am delighted to be joined by two legends who have had a, a short break from the 9320 Pod. Uh, first, Mr. Mark Meadowcroft, good morning. Hi. How are you doing? Of course, we're doing fantastically well. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> since uh, I, I was last on, it's yeah. just continued. I mean, as a, as a City fan, and this is one of the things I think we need to discuss, uh, we're, we're living the salad days, aren't we? I mean, life is just absolutely fantastic. And yeah, okay, we didn't quite win against Crystal Palace, but just we're in the 60s and the second place team is in the 40s in points in the league. That is just astonishing. Yeah. Have you seen? Do you know what a can table is? No. It's where you've got every single where you show the league table, but you have every single points total. So you put City on sixty four, whatever. But then you, <laughs> then the next team is about you know forty centimeters below on forty eight or whatever. It's a very nice way to uh, Google get can table for the Premier League, and it's a very nice way to look at the table because it shows the gaps between points. So uh, yeah. I think it's. I don't think we'll ever see the, the gap that big again. Anyway, yeah. uh, anyway. Uh, also delighted to be joined. He's back. Uh, the one and only Stephen Tudor, Mister Daisy Cutter. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. These are certainly salad days for me. I'm on a January <laughs> diet. <laughs> I know Mark said salad days, but that that sounds like a bad thing to me. To be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> if you said it, the fried chicken days, exactly. Be, uh, takeaway days. I'll up for that. These are our so Friday night takeaway days. I assume you're permanently hungry then? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm struggling in the evenings. rest of the day I'm fine, but, oh, man, it gets to 10 o'clock and I live about 40 yards away from a takeaway, so it's pretty hard. Oh, drink lots of water. <laughs> yeah. And don't have any snacks. <laughs> From personal experience, don't have any snacks in the house ever. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we've done that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I've got a couple of opening questions before we go on to previewing the weekend match. A uh, bit of a strange one, this, but it's one that's popped up in my head this week. It's basically, do you care how big your club Manchester City is? And I'll I'll explain this a bit before I ask you this question. Uh, the absolutely fascinating empty seats debate, of course, that's been continuing this week. I see a lot of rival fans who have probably never been near their own ground uh, comment that, because we can't sell out a ground city uh, just a small club. And it, it struck me. It's like, is that supposed to offend me? Is that supposed to be a put-down? It means absolutely nothing to me. I don't care how big my club is. I didn't start supporting them in 1980 because they were the biggest club. That's not how supporting a club works for most genuine fans. And if it is, you're basically accepting you're a glory hunter. So I just... Just a, th- a question that I thought I'd put to you. So I'll start with you, Stephen. Uh, do you <laughs> do you remotely care about how big we are globally, or is it just a financial side that it would help us in that respect? I couldn't give a single lettuce leaf. It's <laughs> basically if, if you go back to two thousand and eight, and I'm looking purely in terms of timescale and nothing more, then it's easy to invest in a football club and build up the infrastructure of that football club and bring in better personnel and, you know, better playing staff and just 
raise a club from one level to another level. It's easy to do that in terms of timescale. What isn't easy is to increase the fan base because that takes time. And invariably, the fan base that is going to come in are going to be new to the club and they're going to be attracted by glory. Ergo, they're glory hunters. By, in the main, of course, you're going to get kind of, you know, 13-year-olds kind of, you know, watching City on telly and, oh, I like that club, and, and then naturally drawn to them. That's great. So what people are saying, basically, is we have less glory hunters and less tourists than Manchester United or Chelsea. Good! That's, that's a good <laughs> thing. What we have at Man City are about 45,000 loyal fans who go week in, week out. And that's the case whether we're top of the league, 12th in the league, or 18th in the league. It doesn't matter. Or in the in the championship, we've got a hardcore of 45,000 fans, which can be extended across the UK beyond that 45. That's how we are right now. Now, in years to come, in 10 years from now, we may well have 150,000 fans who will go once, twice, three, four times a season. And then off our kind of ground will be extended and you know 70,000 capacity and all the rest of it that's there's nothing wrong with that too I'm looking forward to those days there's nothing to be embarrassed about as to where we are right now because everything the infrastructure and all the rest of it has skyrocketed the rest has to be organic that has to come through time and so at this point in time if someone's kind of saying that we're a smaller club than Manchester United I couldn't give a single lettuce leaf no, you don't get any league points for that, do you? So no. If only they do. I mean, if Gill has his way, then obviously soon their history will be getting them extra, getting them up the pots in the Champions League, won't it? But I think uh, the kids basically, if we're successful, then it's not that glory hunters will gain in ten years. It's uh, it's children yeah. making their yeah. decision now in the in the playgrounds. The and and, and that you can have been appearing, and in ten years they'll be the ones paying for their own tickets and. And we're seeing that already, Howard, aren't we? Because if you go into yeah. kind of sports shops or if you go into... You know, I went to a charity shop the other day and I live in North Wales. Two kind of city shirts there from a couple of seasons ago and one Chelsea. No United, no Liverpool. You know, it, yeah. it, it's a gradual process. Yeah. I, I actually saw one. I knew we'd arrived. I was in St. Petersburg of all places and there was a city shirt up in the, in the yeah. window of their little souvenir shop near the uh, the old ground Uh I think it was about 20 years old and covered in dust, but, you know, baby steps, isn't it? So. Exactly. Uh, uh, Mark, anything to add to your views on this? Yeah, I think that um, boasting about the size of your club seems to me to be uh, roughly akin to boasting about the size of your penis, really, doesn't it? <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, 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 I'm really, City, you, should, I don't you know. shouldn't need to do so. It's a, a, a private matter between you and your significant other. <laughs> and if you feel the need to make that comment, then I think uh, uh, life experience would indicate you've, uh, 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 shall we say, uh, got concerns that you're not really wishing to uh, make public but are actually screaming out at the time. This is just a non-story that reveals far more about the people making that comment than it does about City. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm, I'm just happy with your giant killing in that respect. <laughs> it's just where desperation as well, into it? Well, I've got to find something, so 
we've done the seats, the human rights. Yeah. We'll, we'll just keep calling the club small because obviously that really that really hurts, doesn't it? Uh, second opening question. Uh, well, looking back at the uh, the cup game these this midweek, not just City, there's been two obviously semi-finals. Uh, won't go into the match because, you know, it was what it was. But I'm thinking after a really dreary, I was quite looking forward to the second semi-final, you know, just as a neutral. Uh, and it wasn't a great match. So in light of performances this week of the three Premier League teams out of the four doing the semi-finals. Mark, do you think our players, or Premier League players, generally take this Carabao Cup seriously? I mean, do you think it's been reflected in performances and intensity that they just don't quite get fired up as much as they do for, say, even a Premier League or an FA Cup match? I don't really see that, to be honest with you, with City. I I, I think that, and I'm, I'm... I'm going to say, talk, confine my answer to City here rather than Arsenal uh, or Chelsea, where I sort of grazed on that match but didn't watch it properly. Um, I think that everybody knows that the one legitimate thing you can say about this team at the moment, and we've talked about something that's ridiculous to say about the club, but in the Guardiola era, there have not yet been any trophies and, it, and we need to win one. And I think that the... Uh, the, the League Cup, the Carabao Cup, the Rumbelows Cup, whatever, its particular significance is that that will get that particular monkey off our back if we can win it. So I think it is important. It was important in the early rounds to give other players game time, but I think we're going to see less and less of that. And uh, to the extent even that I think in the second leg, it's important that Edison plays because I think he will help City play against a Bristol City side that had the the, the, the the guts to attack us. And that's absolutely the right way to play City when Edison isn't in the team. When Edison is in the team, it adds to the risk because, of course, you've got the ball over the top, which, of course, Bristol City were less worried about with Claudio Bravo. But even then, City's first goal was a long pass from the goalkeeper, and that shows how that's important to breaking that particular press. But I think that, to answer your question with regard to City, I think this is important. I think the players know it. The players know? Yeah, they it. know it's important, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you think, uh, well, it comes through the manager though, doesn't it? Does he, does he think it's important? Is he... he looked pretty happy at the end, didn't he? I seem to yeah. remember him celebrating quite happily when, uh, well, f- firstly at Leicester, when he was delighted, wasn't he, when they won the penalties? Yeah. <laughs> and he was pretty happy when Aguero's goal went in. Uh, exactly. Well, I, I think the, that he knows he victory. needs to win a trophy. Yeah, but it's the method of victory. It's hard not to celebrate a penalty shootout victory or a last-minute goal. In, in, so. But I think he yeah. does know that it is a legitimate criticism that City have not yet won a trophy under Guardiola and he yeah. needs his first one and he needs yeah. it sooner rather than later because if they lose either in the second leg or in the final, it sort of starts to become a thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Stay, your thoughts? Um, do, you, do you think the players just wind the intensity down a couple percent? Perhaps by a couple of percent, yeah. I think that's unavoidable because... Ultimately, it's the fourth most important trophy that they're participating in. But I think in terms of uh, entertainment value and commitment from the players on a broader scale, it's less about the Carabao Cup and more about 
when they're taking place. These semi-finals were taking place post-Christmas schedule, uh, and we saw over the festive period the quality of football across, you know, the, the Premier League significantly dipped. Um, yeah. You know, there was a number of nil-nils, one-nils of, of just kind of. Well, quite clearly, the players are fatigued at this point in the season. So, I think there's a consequence of that more than anything. Um, there's certainly nothing to be concerned about. I wouldn't wouldn't have thought. No, I mean, if they did just dip off permanently for the League Cup, then it you know Carabao Cup, sorry, then it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, we have to. Our bar's been raised somewhat, so you know, and it's hard to not. Yeah, you, know, you always want your team to win, but you have to accept. That they are prioritised each uh, each competition. Uh, okay, well let's move on to the big match this dun, weekend. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably uh, as we we've moved. Well, what is it? Sixteen games left. Yeah. Uh, this is probably the hardest game left of the sixteen. Yeah. So, right, I'll start with the question. I actually put second on the list. Uh, Andy Layden asked this on Twitter: Are we overhyping this game? I'm not. Yeah, you know, I've not been around enough to see how much the hype has been. But how big a match is this? Because I've talked last week about the importance of the the FA Cup. You know, the three games we had, the two cup games in Liverpool, and try to argue that this not it's not the smallest of the three. Obviously, it's Liverpool away uh, in the Premier League. That obviously this is not a winner takes all match, is it? So, Mark, what? Just how big a game is this? Is how important is it to City? I think that's a really good question, and one I've thought as well. Because the thing that's extraordinary about this game is we go into Liverpool and we can sit back and relax. Um, I'll be. Uh, <laughs> I'm not at wow. the game. I'll be watching <laughs> it at home, but with a a nice glass of Chablis, I should think. And I'm able just to sit and enjoy watching my team because what's the worst that could happen if we lose? We might be only 12 points ahead. Uh, It puts then a a greater degree of pressure on the next game, which is a home game against Newcastle United, which would be then important that we won the game after losing one. But as I have always felt that the going unbeaten through a league season is a somewhat of a false measure, because I think you've got to be fortunate not to lose one of 38 games. And yeah. I don't think that really is a, a, a mark particularly of greatness. I think it's a mark of just the way that things fell in certain matches. Um, and I think the other thing that I, I would say as well is that if we're judging City's own performance and progress, Liverpool probably aren't the team to do that because they are somewhat inconsistent. And what we don't know yet is which Liverpool team will uh, turn up. I mean, they, they, they could be defensively catastrophic and City could win easily. Certainly possible. Or they could have one of those magical 20 minutes that can happen at Anfield and we get beaten. And I think that if both of those things occur, or either of them, I should say, we are at risk of drawing rather too many inferences from that. Uh, So (sighs) Liverpool is always a big game. It's always been historically throughout uh, uh, our supporting uh, lifetimes a a, a key benchmark for City. 
and it's usually one we've struggled to uh, uh, to to reach. But on this occasion, I think we can just sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. I'll, whilst I agree with your answer, sitting back and enjoying it, I don't think I will become the match itself. Yeah, even if, even if I talk up how relaxed I'll be. Uh, but as you say, we've got I think Newcastle at home, then West Brom at home afterwards. So if if it went down to twelve points, and that's assuming, I mean United at home to Stoke, aren't they? So surely they'd win. Uh, yeah, I don't know what their fixtures are. There's a fair chance we'd get it back up to fifteen anyway in the two games afterwards. We should do. We should win those games comfortably. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Uh, not not done the. Don't think we've done the double over Liverpool in eighty years. Mm. Obviously, our record there is appalling. I think Anelka was it Anelka who scored last time we won there. Can I just uh, come in there, Howard, to make it even more prehistoric? The other goal scorer was Kevin Horlock. Ah, uh, that's not that prehistoric. <laughs> I remember him well. I remember he's a he's a fine player with a sweet left foot, but it yeah. shows just uh, how uh, far City have progressed that Kevin Horlock was a key player and a respected player in the team the last time we uh, uh, we, we won at Liverpool. Yeah, and of course at, at Wembley against Gillingham. So, yeah, we're, we're all getting old, basically, is what you say. So, uh, Steve, what do you think? Kind of largely... Uh, you know, sorry, I, just, yeah, I was going to say, you know, is getting rid of this who do over Liverpool that important or yeah. to win the league at the end of the season? Who's going to remember, to be honest? Right, well, well, there's two kind of aspects to me answer here. The first aspect concentrates on on kind of it specifically being Liverpool, uh, and there is kind of a hoodoo there. We've last won in 2003. Before that, it was 1981. Um, we just never do well at Anfield. This is the last mountain for us to kind of scale this season, um, and it would be nice to, to to achieve that. And furthermore, most of my mates are Liverpool fans. I really don't like Liverpool Football Club. It would be really, really nice to beat them and it would be horrendous to lose to them. If we lose, from a personal perspective, my phone won't stop chirping away all night with gloating mates. <laughs> it, it means the world to me, this game. Right, but getting that out of the way, if you look at Chelsea, you look at Arsenal, you look at Man United, you look at Liverpool, they have got several different pathways from here till the end of the season. They want to achieve... Uh, Champions League qualification. Ideally, they want to finish second. They want to win maybe the FA Cup because that might justify a, a you know successful season for them. Yeah. They want to go deep in the Champions League. There's several different strands for them to explore. For City, there are now two levels, such as being our brilliance. We have now in January, and we can literally lineate our season from here on in two ways. We can either win the league, which will be great, or we can achieve absolute greatness now to do the latter we have to at least reach the semi-finals of the Champions League and we have to beat Liverpool and go through the season unbeaten it's unlikely I'm not remotely arrogant enough to kind of suggest that it is a possibility what I believe will be achieved but right now it is a possibility and we go to Liverpool as a better team having not won there for years with it being the last mountain to scale in the league this season, as in terms of kind of really proving a point to everyone and of how good we are, it's our litmus test. This is the one. If we win this weekend, we've we've proved it. We've done it. We we will then go on to win the league, but we've also 
open up the possibility of, of going that whole league unbeaten. Because, like as you said, this is our hardest game. We've got Arsenal as well, of course, but this is our hardest game. This is a huge game. This is a really, really huge game for us. Um, and it means the world to me. I, I would be devastated if we lose on at the weekend. And I certainly won't be thinking, oh, well, we're still kind of 12 points clear of United. Because, and this is where a bit of arrogance might come through, lads, we've won the league. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't feel quite that strongly. <laughs> <laughs> well, then my phone probably won't be chirping all night. So if we lose, so... Yeah, I mean, oh. can I just come in on on Steve's point there? The only thing I'd say about winning the league unbeaten is in order to do that, and we maybe already have seen this, you you need a little bit of good fortune. Obviously, oh, yeah. we had yeah. the incident at Crystal Palace with the penalty save right at the end of the match. Uh, you can lose an unbeaten record over 38 games to a tight match where there's a deflected goal five minutes from the end. Or, or 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 whatever, all of those sorts of things. There's a thirty. It's thirty eight separate instances. It, it, in all those thirty eight occasions, there are three possible results, and you're trying to take one of those three results out of the picture on each of those thirty eight instances. I think you can be a great team and lose one or two games. I I, I think that the that, and I've said this before uh, on uh, on this pod. I would swap a hundred points for losing at one or two games. Right. Yeah, and of course we could also just draw at Liverpool and go undefeated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we, we would. Yeah. I personally believe. I don't know if we're going to get to any predictions. I personally believe it will be a draw. I think both teams ultimately will be very content with a draw. Um, and I think when it gets to ten minutes to go, that kind of spreads from the manager to the players. Really? Do you think they won't go for it if it was drawing for ten minutes to go? I don't. I think Klopp will be extremely happy with a draw. I think Liverpool yeah. fans will be extremely happy with a draw. Um, and of course, I'm not suggesting they're going to down tools, but I just think that you know you mentioned there about Bristol City about um, you know one or two percent less application. I think that might well become a factor if it's one one or two two with ten minutes to go on on Sunday. I think that one of the things we can look at it from Liverpool's point of view is that. Uh, and Steve was talking about uh, uh, Liverpool's ambitions the rest of the season. One of the key ones from them, I'm sure, will be to finish above United in the league. Yeah. And it'll be the same for United. That, that'll that be now a key measure for both of those clubs. And so I can see the point that yeah, that'll be one more point than uh, uh, United got against City. So, yeah. ergo, it's a good result. Yeah. yeah. Uh, general thoughts then, Steve. Taking a motion out of it. Uh-huh. Are you confident that we'll do well in this match? No, well, I'm, I'm neither confident nor, uh, nor nor fearful, to be honest. Um, Mark said about, about Liverpool, you know, they're capable of having 20-minute spells. You don't know what kind of Liverpool you're going to face. Um, what you do know is that you're in for a torrid time and they will kind of have these spells where they're throwing players forward and with a kind of urgency that in the past we've struggled to deal with, we will struggle again, but not to that the extent we have in the past. So it's just a series of unknowns. Um, I, it's really hard to call, to be honest. And so yeah. like I said, I'm, I'm neither going into it with any kind of degree of confidence or fearfulness. Mark, your thoughts? Do you think 
the key could be they'll come out the traps flying, flying yeah. out the traps. And if we can, yeah. Uh, can I? Can I? So, sorry to interject. I know, but yeah, can, I, can I just point out though? Uh, I did a like a what I call an historical preview this week. Yeah, uh, look back yeah. at all the previous games. And that is so not the case when it comes to Liverpool or, or City. And it's, it's also not the case, really, with either club this season as well. So, um, I'll, 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 if you continue, I'll find what some early facts goals? Yeah, yeah. We, it was actually... Um, let me just try and find something here. I know it's not with City, but... Yeah, and yeah. the same goes for Liverpool as well. There's a, a very small percentage of their goals this, this year have come inside the opening 20, 20 minutes. Yeah, and yeah, I have that image in my head that that's how they always approach the game. Yeah, right. could, yeah, could, trying could, to put it. Yeah, uh, twelve tw- from the combined 114 goals between City and Liverpool this season. Only twelve have come inside in 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah, can, can, I, can I make a couple of observations about yeah. Liverpool? Um, there are there are two things. Number one, the, the classic thing: a combined eleven from two teams. And if you look at it and you try and be objective about it, the absolute maximum number of Liverpool players that we're getting a combined 11 is two. Okay? And the two I've given you is that, um, because he has been exceptional, you you put Salah in for either Sterling or Sane, but that's very, very close. And because I am uh, being generous, I will give them one of the defenders, and that will either be Van Dijk, although... He ultimately has not played consistently well for 12 months. Mm. Or the left-backs. I think Robertson is a very good player. and But there again, so is Fabian Delft. So I'll give them one of those two plus Salah. The other, uh, and frankly, you, you could make an argument that a combined 11 of the two is 11 City players. Yeah. Uh, uh, quite easily, actually. And that and, 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 and that's not me being a blowhard. I think that's a, that's a, uh, it's, it's not as if you're, you're going to suggest that Fernandinho is a worse player than Jordan Henderson, for example. I mean, it's ridiculous to say so. Uh, the second point I'd make about Liverpool, looking at their record this season, is that they beat Arsenal very convincingly right at the start of the season, just before they lost to us. But And they've scored a lot of goals, and they've demolished some teams. But after that Arsenal side, and bear in mind, it is Arsenal, what's the next best side they've actually beaten this season? Just... And I'm going to suggest to you that the second best side, look at their Champions League group, for example. They played Sevilla and drew yeah. twice. And Sevilla are a good side, but they're, it'd be interesting to see how they probably would be about the same side as Arsenal, actually. Um, uh, but other than that, the second best side is probably Burnley. Right. They have racked up big wins against Maribor and Spartak Moscow and Swansea City and Brighton and teams like that. But when it's come to... And to be fair, they've got plenty of draws, but I don't think that they have beaten an elite club this season. Let's hope it remains that way. It's, it's an interesting point. I mean, I balance that out by saying that they are unbeaten at home since last April and you know, they're unbeaten in general since October. And I think that that's a strange kind of uh, stat, really, because they're lying in fourth. So they're unbeaten since October, but they're lying in fourth place, which does suggest, as Mark says, they're getting a lot of draws. Yeah. So how do you think, Steve Pep will approach this? The same sort of lineup that we've been used to? Have? Yeah, definitely. It'll, did he play? Uh, did he not play a back three in the first match? And yeah. Obviously, we were under quite a lot of pressure until 
well, I took the lead anyway, and then the red card obviously changed quite a lot in that match. Uh, yeah. Do you think he's going to change his approach because of their forward line? I think that Jurgen Klopp is the only manager in the Premier League who Pep Guardiola is willing to adapt his thinking towards and, and kind of compromise his principles towards. I don't think he's going to do that on this occasion. I think the lineup picks itself. Uh, it'll be a very familiar lineup with no surprises in it. Um, but I believe that within that lineup, there will be certain tweaks. Um, I think De Bruyne will be play more central, more kind of restrained, more disciplined um, to, to just get more kind of numbers in midfield. And I think Delph and Walker will kind of alternate and kind of invert in as, as a kind of midfielder to kind of, again, just stiffen it up because we'll be so fearful of them breaking with pace. So we'll always, where possible, you know, have the numbers back. Don't have Fernandinho exposed with 20 yards around him and no teammate in sight. Um, so there'll be certain tweaks. It's not as if we're just going to go gung-ho and, and there's going to be a lot of... Um, cautiousness from both managers as well I mean don't forget as well last year Klopp pulled the rug right out from under our feet by totally changing their style of play um, and just really kind of grinding out a 1-0 win worked to perfection yeah. for them so both managers very very much respect the other I think overall their records five games each in, against each other going through back through Germany as well so um there won't be any huge surprises in lineup, but it's going to be fascinating to see how both teams, how they kind of set themselves up. Yeah, I think that the thing that's obvious from the selections of the last couple of games is that uh, Guardiola has sought to protect Fabian Delph to make sure he's fit and to make sure he's rested because it's just the staggering, the obvious thing for Liverpool to do to try and isolate Salah on Delph. It, you, yeah. surely that's their best chance uh, but equally that's not to say that we don't have faith in Delph I think he's been absolutely excellent this season and he's an incredibly strong weak link but yeah sure we've got to set the team up defensively so that we can make sure that he is given help and support as needed and that that surely again it's interesting Otamendi and Fernandinho the two players who probably have to do that the most also didn't play in midweek yeah yeah, I think it's bang on that. And I also think, though, that Salah is coming back from a strain and no one outside of Liverpool knows the extent of that. You know, is he is he 100% fit? Is he 80% fit? If it's for latter, then that could really play into our hands because, as you say, Mark, that is going to be a big strategy of theirs. Yeah, and I think the other thing as well is that fortune will favour the, the brave in terms of both teams. Liverpool cannot sit back and defend against City. They can't do what Mourinho did because they're rubbish at it, to be honest with you. Um, so they have got to have the bravery to attack City, even though that could leave uh, De Bruyne and either David Silva or Gundogan with far more space than they've had recently. And similarly, from City's point of view, we've got to maintain the high line of defenders we've been doing previously, and that takes absolute cojones against Salah, Firmino and Mane. Yeah. Uh, State, if company was, I think I know the answer, if company was hypothetically fit, would you play him? 
Stones, Stones has come back and made a couple of mistakes. He but has, but I mean, rustiness. He's been out for quite a while. That's exactly it. That's exactly the word for it. It's rustiness. Um, I would play Stones and Otamendi. Otamendi is a huge figure this weekend for us. That his ability to pass between the lines uh, will be will be massive in a game like this, um, you know, particularly against such a high press as Liverpool. So. Otamendi is obviously a given, and alongside him, I'd go for Stones any day. Um, Saddens me to say so, but company now in the big games, can he be trusted? You know, or will he be kind of walking after ten minutes? Yeah, uh, I, I uh, think with Vincent Company, uh, I still think that there is a role for him to play. Um, I still think that in a big one-off game, if he's fit, then absolutely, because I, I still think that one of the best individual performances of the season was company from the third minute to the 93rd minute at Leicester when he came back, when his performance against Jamie Vardy on a yellow card, I thought was little short of stunning. Um, it was a brilliant uh, uh, but, uh, def- defensive performance after he, as he said himself, used his get out of jail free card in the first couple of minutes. And he yeah. really used his fortune there. Uh, I think that, however, Stones and Otamendi have earned the right to start this one. Uh, Vinny may be slightly rusty anyway. He may need a match back if he's fit. However, if he is fit and available, I absolutely want him on the bench because one of the uh, uses of Vinny is if we are 2-1 up with 15 minutes to go, we might all be deciding that 15 minutes of Vincent company talking us through the rest of the game is exactly what we need. Yeah. Uh Coutinho, is he a big miss for Liverpool? Stay? Yeah, yeah. I think generally Could speaking, you have played all their players anyway? Well, well, yeah, but he would have played kind of behind them, wouldn't he? So it, it's, yeah. um, generally speaking, Coutinho, he wouldn't get in the world's greatest 11, would he? Um, he's a very, very good player, but he's not an exceptional player. And the same goes for his impact, I think. Um, but as regards to Liverpool and how much I'll miss him this weekend... Massively so because you know we're halfway through the season. I think if they let him go in the summer, then you know obviously I've had the time to bring in a replacement, and that departure would have less impact on them. Um, potentially, not just for this weekend, but for the weeks and months ahead, uh, they could really suffer from from his his absence. Yeah, uh, just looking well ahead though, they've got yeah. I say he's not hundred forty million pound player, but. It's just numbers now with transfers yeah. into it. It's yeah. like picked out of a hat. Uh, they got a ridiculous amount for Neymar, so they've spent that. Uh, and then Liverpool spent a ridiculous amount of Van Dijk. So it just, you know, it just uh, one feeds the other. So they've got Van Dijk, Cater. Uh, they'll probably, you know, and they're still level with the Coutinho money, so they'll, they'll buy a couple more in the summer. Uh, Mark, do you think, looking ahead next season, they could potentially be our main challengers for the title are they slowly getting it together to be proper challengers I mean obviously they went close in that but it was something of a crazy year wasn't it fed by Suarez and and a young Sterling but do they look now as if they're getting closer to being you know perennial uh, title challengers I think they have still got to invest in that team Uh, they are well short a goalkeeper they need at least one more centre-half. They need a defensive 
midfielder because John's, uh, 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 Henderson, sorry, is he's okay, but I, I don't think he's a Premier League winning standard player. Um, I think that uh, Emre Chan, who a lot of people rate probably a bit more than I do, seems to be leaving in the summer as well. They've got Cater coming in, um, who is very, very highly regarded, but they probably need somebody else as well as him. And they need to replace Coutinho. So I think that uh, there are a a number of players short, and that assumes that this summer they are able to uh, keep uh, Salah or Firmino or Mane. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's look back. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Sorry, I just was going to ask us about sides, but do you think they're... It's worth asking you as well. Do you think they'll be... Good enough? Or is that defence still just... I think next year is definitely going to be their year. <laughs> <laughs> Said with a straight face. <laughs> one day, one eventually it will be. Statistically, it has to happen. Yeah, if, if you have an infinite number of monkeys and an infinite number of typewriters, then the works of Shakespeare will arrive. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'll take that as a no then for next season. I think, can I just say there's a cultural issue with Liverpool. I think that they have uh, got to understand that they're a football club like any other. Mm. And I think that when they realise that it's uh, a a, a game of football rather than a moral mission, and I say that because I think City... Fans felt that when we were rubbish, um, uh, they've got to think we're we're a a a, a a a modern football club in the 21st century. This is our position in the food chain, and this is how we're going to leverage that position. I think that when that occurs, they will uh, uh, move forward. I think they've got a fantastic global brand. Um, I think that they do have an advantage where because of that fantastic global brand and the city they're in, that there are players that will come and want to play for them. But equally, they are going to be a a, a club that, rather like the Coutinho situation, is seen by a certain type of player as a stepping stone and they've got to leverage that for their advantage rather than moaning about it. Fair Just enough. as players come to Southampton, clearly in the basis they'll end up at Liverpool. <laughs> or Arsenal to go to City. But yeah, well, hopefully, again. Uh, I was going to ask for your sides, but is it literally the one we'd expect it to be for both of you? It is for me. Yeah. No surprises. Yeah. 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 Same I for mean, you, the, Mark, the, yeah. the only thing is it's either David Silver or Gundogan. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah availability, obviously, and Delph, assuming he's fit. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, it, it probably picks itself, doesn't it? Uh, go on, I'm going to finally then ask you for a prediction. Uh, Mark, score prediction, please. I think we're going to win because I think we can say that because you know, why not go for the win in a, a situation like we're at the moment? So I think that, that we'll win 3 1. Oh, I'll take that. Steve? 2 2. 2-2. Two, two. I was considering that, but I'll go for one all myself. But I think I would, let's be honest, right now I'd take the draw because I think even that pretty much 
Oh yeah, nails down the uh, the tight. I don't know. Yeah, it would be. It would. Yeah, be I mean, I think disaster. that having said that, if I, 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 I think we. I've given you my prediction. I I think we'll win three one. Uh, were we to get a draw in the realistic actuarial view of how to win the league, yeah, of course you take it every time. Yeah. Uh, right. Finally, I've got uh, a few questions off Twitter. Uh, it does surround, obviously, the last day or so has been interesting on the transfer rumour front. United ready to gazump City once more because of their greater pulling power. Uh, <laughs> Arthur asks, let's assume, I mean, the, the news is that he still wants, uh, a certain Mr Sanchez still wants to come to City. Uh, though someone did message me saying he is angling for loads of money which would give United the advantage because they'll just pay. It's not a dig. They would just pay anything to get him, you know, ahead of us. They're paying 400 grand a week, let's be honest, and we just won't anymore. Uh, and I think our management aren't that bothered, to be honest. You know, it's, they've, they've made clear what they're going to pay. They've made clear what they're going to pay in wages and transfer fee, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. They're not quite as uh, worried or... You know that they'd lose out on him. They'll just go and sign someone else at another time. But Arthur asks, on the let's assume we sign him. Where would City play Sanchez in the front line, centrally or wide? So I'll ask you, Mark, first. If that's right. I think the whole point of um, buying Sanchez is that he can play in any of those positions, dependent on the availability. So he becomes the uh, the, the the supply forward, so to speak. And that's yeah. and it's his versatility to me is is uh, his attractiveness. Uh, so it, it it depends who's injured, who's unavailable, who needs a rest, who's out of form. Yeah, James, Steve, you agree? Completely agree. I I just add to that as well that he's one of those players where it doesn't really matter what his nominal starting position is anyway. He will play in all of those positions during the course of a 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, Pep's move plays around within matches as well, but uh, I do feel that he would be a bit more comfortable wide than, say, someone like Jesus or Aguero, to be honest. So I think he's slightly more adaptable. I think the others, you know, Aguero and, and obviously Sterling's move played centrally recently, but... Uh, I think compared to Aguero or Jesus, he's obviously better at staying out wide. Doesn't have to be central all the time. Uh, Steve Rawlings asks, are City right to play hardball on the Sanchez fee that you know touched upon a minute ago, Steve? Should we just pay up now? People are getting anxious. Yeah. We're going to lose out. Should we just pay whatever it's worth? Or are we right to have, say, well, he's got four months left on his... Yeah. Contract wide earth will we pay thirty five million. We're not paying and we're not breaking a wage structure for a twenty nine year old. Well, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there for the latter point Sorry. really. <laughs> no, but it's I, I kind of go right down the middle on this one, to be honest. I, I, I really am you know, there's a fence here and I'm sitting on it because I there are two sides to this and both have merit. Uh on the one hand, you know, if we're gonna get him, get him in now. We need him in now. But at the same time, and if it, we're talking about a couple of million or whatever, you know, it's pay it because we need him and we want him. But then on the other hand, you're absolutely right. We, there is a weight structure and there is kind of um, 
a wider point as well of us saying to clubs, look, you can't take the piss out of us anymore. We don't do that anymore. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to kind of fleece a club, there's another one down the road, you go down there. So I can see both sides to it. And I really don't know which way I feel more strongly about, to be honest. Yeah. I think you've pretty much summed up my feelings. Mark, if, yeah, if, you, were, I, if you were absolutely. chief, if you're in charge of negotiations, what line would you take? I'd be pretty hardball on this one. I think that it's not just uh, Alexis Sanchez, it's the players we sign in the future and uh, educating the, uh, uh, the, the, the the vendors of players that uh, that is the price that we're willing to pay and you can't do it. I mean, I can remember talking to somebody I know who's a Chelsea fan I used to work with uh, when Abramovich first came into Chelsea and he said, I couldn't understand why they bid for players. The bid was rejected. They bid a bit more, then a bit more, then a bit more, and then eventually the deal was done. Yeah. Um, he said, well, we were buying players and there were always alternatives. He, he said, they only needed to do it once and lose out of one player. They make one bid for a player. Take it or leave it to that club. It's what they consider to be fair market value plus maybe a small premium to get it over the line. And if they say no, they say, right, on to the next player. Yeah. And the, the the market would learn soon enough. Yeah. Uh, and I think that on, on, on this occasion, we don't pay stupid money for players because we don't need to. It's interesting. And I know that Asan was going on Twitter about this yesterday and he was right to do so. Uh, 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 Sheikh Mansour needs to get his checkbook out. Our uh, record transfer fees a bit puny these days compared <laughs> to these big spending clubs like Liverpool and United. <laughs> let, 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 let's spend 75 million quid on a, a, a centre half who's been either injured or rubbish for the last 12 months. That's because we're a small club, you think? Small, small club mentality. Yeah. Uh, but on a serious point, that 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 that, that that's right. And, and what he's uh, the, the city side are a a great example of is one of the the great truisms of football management that you can improve a team more by strengthening the weakest player than you can by strengthening the strongest player. If you see what I mean? Yeah. Therefore, uh, the, 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 the investment has been made much more equally throughout the team. Yeah. I think the key here is, you know, the people leading the negotiations at City have a much better idea than us what Alexis is actually thinking. So if he really has said, look, I only want to play for City, then they're going to be pretty relaxed over this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas if he's, you know, obviously the Alves thing is plays on the mind because I'm pretty sure he said Alves said exactly the same thing and then changed his mind. I don't think this is quite the same thing. It's literally it'd be in Manchester either way. Uh yeah. and if you know I'd find it amazing if you know it it sounds like a dig and being an like a United fan of old, but if you went to United it could only be for money. I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> yeah, well I don't say that for every player in the world, but I'm saying it about this player from what I've read. I just find it highly unlikely that he'd, uh, he's changed his mind over this because I think because of the reduced fee, he'd get quite a he'd get the signing on fee anyway. He's going to do a, he's going to do okay out of it, isn't he? So, what one of the things that's not been mentioned as well is from Arsenal's point of view, there would have been a value to them in getting the deal done this week, so he could play against one of their direct rivals yeah. this weekend, and I and I. 
yeah, I mean, you look at the way that Arsenal operate, surely if they decided he was going, do the deal, let him score the winner against Liverpool, which probably has a more direct benefit in the league on Arsenal than it does for us. Arsenal don't think like that, does he? He's more likely just to spite us all the way up to the summer, to be honest. Mm. Uh, make life as difficult as possible and lose his own club 60 million that you know, could have had last summer just to make a point, really. So, uh, But there you go. Uh, a tongue-in-cheek question for you from Ryan from GY. Probably said that wrong. A restructured question by me. Should Tosin, I presume you've read about this, not be able to buy a house at two to three times his, his annual salary until he's played in the senior side in the Premier League? Steve? I presume you've seen uh, yeah, yeah, Daily yeah. Mail yet again. He's bought a two and a half million pound house. Yeah. God damn him. I know, yeah. Which I work out makes it about two and a half times his annual salary. So, perfectly normal mortgage, really. <laughs> a, a sound investment. So. Yeah, I, I, I would prefer my kind of young footballers to be spending all their money on kind of, you know, prostituting and cocaine, but. Yeah, just like the old days. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we spend it on on solid investments such as bricks and mortar. Um, generally speaking, I mean, like, you know, not even concentrate on City here. Just right across the board, it's a bit unsavoury to see young players with so little experience at you know professional level getting such wages. That's modern football. That's a very broad point and something in which I think no one really likes. You know, ideally we'd like that not to be the case, but it's the case. That's reality. That's that's life. That's football. Yeah. For the Daily Mail to to target a young black footballer, considering they have previously targeted a young black footballer, they are scum. They are a disgrace to the media. They are a disgrace to modern Great Britain and they are scum um, and I would never buy that newspaper and ideally I'd wish it didn't exist yeah, that's fair enough uh, I think yeah as you say the issue is the wages not what you do with the wages so focusing on buying a house is just pathetic to be honest yeah uh, I've got one final question but it wasn't on the list so apologies for springing this on you both uh, but it came in late I think it was Chris Booth. I've got that wrong on Twitter. I apologise because I'm going off my memory, which is never a good thing. Uh, have you both seen about the Seville ticket price for yeah. uh What's Have you, Mark, seen that? Yes, I have, yeah. It's yeah, uh, so, 89 uh, euros or something, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. so Seville will want to charge United over 80 quid for, you know, for the away leg. And United said, come on, that's too much. Uh Sevilla, Sevilla won't back down, so United are now charging the Sevilla fans £89 for the Old Trafford leg, but and they're going to use a difference to subsidise uh, the away fans, but Sevilla are now responding and are subsidising their own fans, so if they just agreed on a lower price in the first place, <laughs> we'd be in exactly the same place that we're in now. Uh, and it's just utterly ridiculous. Uh, they could have, fun- you yeah, know, What's your view, Steve? I'll start with you, Steve. Uh, I can understand, you know, you know, it's not to me. It's two wrongs don't make a, a right here. Like dumping it on the Sevilla fans isn't really fair. But I can see United's point of view that they're trying to make a point here that you can't keep doing things like this and you know treating away fans, charging such ridiculous prices. Where where do you stand on this subject? 
I think United's kind of motivations came from the right place. I think they, it was just the decision they made. Well, I, I think you've summed it up really by, by saying it is two wrongs don't make a right. And it's just a bit unsavoury and farcical, the whole thing. It, it's just been... The one good thing to come out of it is it, it does further highlight the need to kind of lower ticket prices and it's brought a debate and discussion about that topic. So there's certainly good come from it. But unfortunately, once again, it's the fans who lose out, isn't it? Yeah. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of money, isn't it, for to watch a football match? And just from my sort of initial reaction to it, it's too much. There is a big question to be asked about what is an appropriate price to uh, uh, charge to go into a football match. Um, and I think that there, there is an emotional reaction to that sometimes that isn't always justified, though sometimes is, um, uh, and also sometimes is uh, not reflective about the fact that other things cost more than they once used to. I mean, I, I can remember that years and years ago, a football match cost double what it cost for cinema entrance. Yeah. That was always a sort of thing, wasn't it? It was double going to the cinema. And I think yeah. you could then assume to go to a Premier League game is like going to a movie opening on its first weekend, which you go to a multiplex is between... It's, it's 15 quid now, isn't it? Yeah. So therefore, a 30 quid to go to a Premier League football match is what it should be versus the, uh, the, the the price of a cinema ticket. You can think, well, it costs too much to go to the cinema these days. But equally, I can say it's the same argument because the facilities you'll get at the cinema are better than the ones that I can remember in the in the 1980s, uh, yeah. where, where you, you often went to a pretty disgusting flea pit. So <laughs> these individual cases are... Difficult ones to uh, 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 t- t- take a view on in themselves, and it does always strike me as somewhat self-serving. And again, and I, I just don't see how putting this on the severe fans is is the answer to this. But on the other hand, I mean, I, 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 it's, it's a difficult one because I, I, I have to admit that that is more than I would expect to pay to watch a game of football even if it was in the last 16 of the Champions League in a in a modern safe stadium yeah okay well I mean, incidentally can I just also say one of the other things about football generally and why we can't romanticize the past is that one of the reasons that we uh watch football um up until the 1990s in some pretty grim unsafe seedy stadia is that it was too cheap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, you've got to remember that uh, it's about Hillsborough, the Leppings Lane end. The admission price for that FA Cup semi-final was £6. Yeah. That was too cheap. And I know, I know that's a, a, a counterintuitive thing to say, but you you don't just need to pay the players, but you need to reinvest in the facilities yeah. and reinvest in the whole way that you look after people. And so to say that, you know, that's some sort of golden age and that it should always be £6 to watch an FA Cup semi-final, 
No, I don't think it should be, actually. Okay. Fair enough. Well, let's not forget also that, you know, United are happy to charge Derby County fans 45 quid for a Friday night FA Cup match, so... Uh, I think there's work to be done. You know, we've criticised City plenty of times, haven't we, for pricing, which I think we generally get right, but the, there's always a, a cock-up around the corner somewhere <laughs> with pricing. Uh, and I think most clubs, and most fans of most clubs would probably say the same thing about their own club. Uh, I mean, it's astonished me how much it is to see some lower league teams. It's, you know, you'd be paying over £20 a ticket to see lower league teams. That's just, uh, you know, way down the leagues. It's just astonishing, to be honest. Uh, right, I think we've covered everything. So, Mark, thank you very much. Great to have you back. Thank uh, you. Thanks for appearing, and hopefully, I'll have something lined up as well next week. A show. Uh, Steve, <sighs> thank you. Good to have you back and your new laptop. Yeah, <laughs> pleasure. I, yeah, uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, we've got, like to listen to everyone, we've got, obviously, we'll have a review of the very big match. On Monday, hopefully Steve's phone will be really quiet Sunday night. <laughs> uh, we've got a lot, lot more coming up uh, for members, history shows, hoping to get a quiz pod off uh, and running at some point, though I've been saying that for a long time. So thanks for listening, and we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.